welcome to Buzzing About Romance. I am Becky. And I am Leah. And it is another episode of Just Me and Leah talking about things we want to talk about. It is, but it's also May. It is May, which means... officially May. We start the countdown to summer reading. Summer reading. Um, So there are five Sundays in the month of May, if I think, if I'm correct. I don't know. I don't have a calendar in front of me. I'm looking. There are. There are five Sundays in the month of May. So by the time we drop our last May episode, that kicks off week one of summer reading. Hot damn. I'm excited. It's going to be so good. It is because we have some really awesome prizes because, you know, we love a good prize and we have some really amazing like author contributions this year. Not that we didn't last year, but some of them stepped up their game this year. They really, really did. And there is a little bit of jealousy on our part that as authors were emailing us and saying, hey, I would like to do this for my giveaway or I have this signed copy and this swag. Like there's a book that's a baking inspired book. And Mm -hmm. the lady's like, I have like spatulas and an apron and mixing tools. And I'm like, I want those things. Can can I get those things? But we cannot get those things because we are hosting the contest. That's right. So (laughs) Becky and I are uber jealous, like not even a little bit jealous, uber jealous because it is ridiculous, like the amazing choices you guys have this time. So um, you guys are going to want to stick around all month of May. Make sure you're following us on social media. We're slowly going to start to roll this out and we'll make some kind of announcement. Um, I don't know if we'll do it on YouTube or if we'll do it on Instagram. Instagram. Maybe we'll do it on TikTok, but we got to get Leah. The TikTok. We got to get Leah to a thousand followers, people. All right. And it last time I important. checked, I had like 16 followers. 62. 62 followers. Oh, I have 62 now? I think so. Somebody has 62. It might be Lisa. Uh, Sawyer Bennett's PA oh, has 62. Lisa needs 1,000 also. Right. So we At least are I'm on... In, I am in league with Lisa. That makes me feel better. Yeah. So <laughs> if you are on the TikTok, please the give Leah a follow. I will make sure that we link her TikTok in our on the shelf. Oh, I have to find notes. my link for my TikTok. I already have it. Oh, see, I don't even have to do the hard because stuff. I'm a good friend like that. <laughs> well, because you know I don't I don't go onto the TikTok. I am the best co-player there ever was. It's true. You really are. I don't know okay. what I do without you. So it's May. What isn't this a it Justin is. Timberlake almost said? It's Bieber. gonna be May. It's going to be It's going to be May. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and this episode right. drops May 1st. Oh, it does? So it's going it to be May. It's we should have May. had a sound bite. Fuck, Becky. Damn it, Leah. Maybe Mike Burrier can add it in for us. We've been asking for an echo for how many weeks? I know. Wishful thinking. Okay. We, should, we could promise him a clean conversations for three days in a row. Can we? <laughs> Can we guarantee that? Well, I mean, I'm sure we could do one. That's why I only said three, not even a whole week, just three days. Um, We cannot. We cannot. cannot. Especially after like the conversations we had this week. Yeah. Right. Okay. But anyway, 
Let's okay. let's get a roll in here. <laughs> so on this episode of Buzzing About Romance, we're going to talk about the concept of series versus standalone, a duology and a trilogy, and what we like about all of them and what we don't like, which we all know what Leah's answer is going to be. But anyway, um, we will also dive into some authors with large backlists and where to start with their worlds and their books. Yes. So we are not going to, um, we might give you some terms here that you guys already know, but there are potentially listeners that might not know these words. So bear with us oh, while and, we go over and a little bit of stuff. And there are a couple stuff. where we, we are going to clarify the difference. Like this first one is, I'm just going to go out and say it. it's a standalone. And this book is just that it stands alone. Now, this is not to be confused with a series of standalones. Those are two different things. So standalones, like it is one book that stands by itself. There is like no other book connected to it. No, no other book connected to it. And we also don't expect in the future a book mm -hmm. to either continue their story or to continue other supporting characters in the story. Now, that isn't to say that like a random character from a different book shows up from the author, like, cause that right. is okay. But it is a book that physically stands by itself, the story as a whole, where there is nothing else to it. And I would say, in my opinion, the queen of standalone romance is by Keeland. Because well, if you even think about by it, in Penelope's co-written books, like, right. Well played. It's all on its own. Uh, mm -hmm. The Summer Proposal, all on its own. Happily Letter After, all on its own. The Spark, all on its own. The um, Invitation, delightful. Technically, Invitation is a book two in a standalone series. Is it? Yeah, because The Sister is book one. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, The Rivals is the first in that series. Okay, well, never mind. I lied. I didn't um, read book one. I didn't know the book one was connected. So a couple of examples of this are going to be The Mixtape by Brittany Cherry, um, The Meet Cute by Helena Hunting, Morning Wood by Heather Oregano, and... Oh, we don't know how to pronounce her name. We apologize. We and Summer Proposal by Vi Keeland. Those are some examples mm -hmm. of what we would consider standalone books. It is a book that is out. It isn't numbered. In the title, mm -hmm. it doesn't say book two in X series. It is just, you know, it's, meet cute. It's a by lone Helena read. It's a lone read. Yep. Uh, Emma Hart has a book called Forty Fling that, mm -hmm. again, she writes interconnected um, in a world. Series, typically. Yeah. Series, but our standalone series, but that one is. Um, it's off on its own. It's off on its own. And you will notice more standalone books in traditionally published mm -hmm. uh, authors. Market, yeah. In market. Um, because a lot of times a publisher will just buy the one book. Mm -hmm. So like the mixtape by Brittany Cherry was bought by Montlake. That's all they bought from her was that title. Um, so that is what a standalone book is. Okay, so next up is the term world. This is most often used to describe the creation of an entirely fictional new world, 
Today, world building is most often used to describe a component of a work of fiction. World building emphasizes that the world being created is being created is entirely new, but can be in a real place. So like, like we talked to Kelly Kay about she's building her winery in mm-hmm. Sonoma. Sonoma's a real place. But the wineries themselves that she has created are based off of real wineries, but they themselves are not real wineries. Yeah. Like Avery Flynn, her Harbor City. Harbor City is not a real place, but it is based off of. We think New York City. We think. She Do we has ever never... have confirmation? She's never we confirmed to... nor denied. When we did our happy hour with her last for. Um, mama's boy we tried to yes. get her to confirm it and she talked around us yeah so she has neither confirmed nor denied that it is real but all of her books take place in the harbor city universe and world so even her books mm-hmm. that stand alone like the wedding date disaster takes place they're from harbor city mm-hmm. like it's in Las Vegas or something. Yeah. No, it's, it's, or is it Nebraska? Nebraska. Oh, yeah. The wedding day disaster is in Nebraska. But it's Harbor City is a place that all of her characters have some connection to. Well, even like Aurora Rose Reynolds, like her, like until world, like Murfreesboro is the, I don't know if that's a, but wait, I think it's a real town. But that, that qualifies under a shared world. Well, but I'm just thinking like her until books, not the the boom factory addition to it, because she herself, it's it's true. It's a shared world. Okay. It is a shared world. So an author might have a world that they have built themselves. It can be a real place or a fake place. It can be Lucy Score, or no, that would be a shared world. Um, Oh, Lucy Score Blue Moon. Yeah. That's a, she's the only one that writes in the the blue moon. Yes. Um, The, uh, can you say the town that Claire Kingsley's Miles and um, Bailey families are from? I cannot pronounce it. Tikatum? No. Tikatum? Oh, Tillicum. 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 Uh, that is her world. We know that it's on the coast of Washington State, mm-hmm. and we kind of know where it is in relation, but it is not necessarily a real place. Real. She has yeah. built the town. Be- like she might take real elements like blue moon is a fabricated story like creation by lucy score there are real elements of real towns but it is not like a real place like tillicum or however you pronounce it it is a amalgamation of multiple places but it's not an actual real place right so but then you can but so you can do world building in real places mm-hmm. or you can make up your own places that you build the world in. Mm-hmm. So it could be a, a, you can make up a small town. And or then like Danica, Danica Flynn, like she writes her books. They are based in Philadelphia. Like she lives in Philadelphia. Like she knows the town. She builds her worlds around town. Like Sawyer Bennett, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, real place, real city. She talks about real places. Like Upper St. Clair is a real place in Pittsburgh. Like she the geography is correct in her stories. Like, but, but she's changed Jameson, the shape and design of the arena. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, you know, buildings have different names. That mm-hmm. is still world building. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about shared world. 
because this is a concept that is newer to Mm -hmm. romance, the shared world. And it came with the dawning of really cocky hero was the first to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so some authors will share a world. Um, This might be things like Penny Reed's Green Valley, Tennessee in the Smarty Pants world, Penelope Ward in By Keelan's. They're they're not the cocky hero. Are they cocky hero? They're cocky hero, yeah. Mr. Moneybags. Oh, yeah, you're right. I'm thinking Park Avenue um, Player. It it can also be author writing a collaborative, collective series like Mason Creek or novellas like The All-American Boys, where like the world itself, like the the places might like I think all American boys it is like all over the all over the map but the world itself is connected yeah I mean it could be a story that takes place on a university campus but multiple authors write in items that take place on that campus Mm -hmm. Um, a world for us in romance when we say a world it just has to be something that is connected to a book or a series mm-hmm. and, and they're going to build the world and lots of authors are doing it. It's, um, you know, you'll find it's a, it's a great easy way to continue from one book to the next by building. Well, and, and when we talked to Aurora, like she, she basically created her world because so many people wanted these side characters that they had met, but she doesn't have the time to write books for every single character when she has these thoughts and ideas of like new things she wants to do. And so like her world was basically created because people were wanting stories from characters that they've met in her books. Yeah. And so she wanted to give people the option and opportunity to, to build on that. And it has been delightful. So that's what a shared world, when we say, hey, this is a shared world, it's going to be a multi-author collaboration. Mm -hmm. Um, One author might own the world, but has invited others to write within it. Or it can be a world that was designed and created by multi-author input. Um, So let's talk about interconnected series, which this is not as common as a series of standalones. All right. Interconnected, there's a very limited amount of authors that really do interconnected books. Mm -hmm. So each individual series is a standalone series within the main world and is connected by a setting, a character or two. Each series is typically launched by a a spinoff or crossover. There's um, an interconnected series... We're, you're going to see, here are some of the authors that are good examples of write interconnected series. Mm-hmm. Um, so your Bennett does this because we will get Jameson Force in Arizona Vengeance. We'll get Arizona Vengeance into Cold Fury. We get Cold Fury into Pittsburgh Titans. Those are interconnected series. They share a world. Mm-hmm. Um, Melissa Foster does this, Right. All of her Montgomery's, oh, like her Mont- her Montgomery's, her Badens, her whiskeys, her Wicked's, like ev- like there's connections all over the board, like in in multiple series too, like her Steel um, Island series, like she has like <laughs> Badens popping in or Remington's popping in, and then they're like wh- there's Wicked and whiskeys, like she <laughs> she interconnects like nobody's business. 
Then Carrie Ann Ryan does this, her Montgomery Inc. Mm-hmm. of Fort Collins. Then there's the Montgomery Inks of Denver. And now she has spun off to um, the, the Wilder Brothers. The Wilder Brothers in Texas. She also has a college series that has had some Montgomery's trickle in and out. Um, Lexi Blake does this. So much she does this. She does because her Bayou, like her Bayou series is interconnected because Remy was in her Masters of Mercenaries series. So she has interconnected across the board because her Masters of Mercenaries is an indie pubbed. She also connects it to her Lawless family because the sister of the Lawless brothers married one of the uh, McKay Taggarts. Taggarts. One of the Mm -hmm. Taggarts. So, well, yeah. So like she, like there's one character that like combines and Julie Salmon does this as well, because like the beginning of the Boston billionaires with the Fritzes, like the last book in her previous series was the Fritz sister. And that is where now she has brought in the wild things, which is the band Mm -hmm. that's from her first series. I mean, not that she ever wrote, but that's the big, long, interconnected (coughs) series. And now they're Mm -hmm. all sharing a world together, but they're, it's interconnected because we get FaceTime Mm -hmm. with all of them. Yeah. Now, Krista Sandor, she had, hers is a little bit different in the fact that her series don't spin off into the next one, but like in her books, like she has elements of like in her hothead series, she has people from her Langley park series, like show up. She has people from her Bergen Brothers series show up. Like those series did not create the spinoff. Like she created the series and then is pulling characters from her other series. And so that is still interconnected, but it interconnects differently than the series that starts as a series. And that last book introduces the new series. Um, Lexi Ryan is more similar to Krista Sandor than mm-hmm. she is to say Lexi Blake or Carrie and Ryan because mm-hmm. Lexi or yeah, Lexi Ryan, the Orchard Valley has Orchid. Orchard. Oh my God. Orchid. Orchid Valley. Orchid Valley has, um, Jackson's. She, she refers to their beer and their brewery in Michigan, they do mm-hmm. not ever make appearances in the book. She, but she talks about those other characters and like those other, or, but then there's also like, sorry, my dog is barking in the background. So Jennifer Hanks, she has her DeMarco series and the brothers have opened a security company called Elite Security. And that, that series is a spinoff series, but the brothers are a huge prominent role in that spinoff series. So we see like, it that in is the, a super interconnected series. Ivy Lane, you know, we went from the Winters family saga, it spun off the, to the Sinclairs, and now it's spun you, off into another. You, into this into the Sawyers, but you saw the Sinclairs in book like every single book in her old series. Yeah. And like, and that was one of the the reasoning. Well, I'm I'm sure because they were fan favorites that she created that series. Yeah. But they're a, a huge prominent part, even in like this new series she's writing. Yeah. 
Um, okay, so that's what when we say this is an interconnected series, it is usually a spinoff or it is an author bringing other characters from other stories and other series into these current series. Mm-hmm. Um, when we say a series with an overarching theme or storyline, what are we talking about? This is when something is overarching. When something is overarching, it affects or includes everything. While each story will have its own couple and happily ever after, there will be an overarching theme that is carried throughout the series. It could be a mystery or a problem, or like Susan Stoker, she does the, she doesn't do this in every series, but her Delta Team 2 and her um, Protection Legacy series, there's something that occurs in book one or book two where it does not conclude until the final book. It is, it's not something that is like a prominent theme. It's kind of a background thing. Well, and these are the, typically books that need to be read in, in order. order. Yes. Um, so like, true boot, like, sorry, like Bootleg Springs. <laughs> mm-hmm. You need to read Bootleg Springs in order. Now I say you need to read it. I skipped one of the books because it was a but it's that's a moot point i had thoughts it is one of those things uh, where there is a storyline that follows this family from book one to fo- to book the final book like you get like clues and little pieces of the of the story throughout the book so yeah. like if you miss a book like you miss a lot of those little nuances like the clues they get like the new information they get like you're not lost without it but at the same time like you're not getting the full gamut of the story because the the mystery is introduced in book 1 and it is not solved until the final book in that well, series and i just started devney perry's um steel Eden's. king no oh, steel the steel king. king which there is a murder that happens in book 1 and mm-hmm. the murder is not solved at the end of book one. It is not solved until the end of all six books. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're talking an overarching theme. Um, because each book is its own character and its own um, HEA. Yeah. But there's that background story that flows in its Clifton yeah. Forge. That's the Clifton series. Forge. I, yeah, I knew I it wasn't Steel King. Like the book is Steel King, but I knew yeah. like, but yeah, so like the the story is in the background and it affects the couples like throughout the story, but you still get their individual HEAs. Um, so then um series of standalones, which is typically what we read the most of, but mm-hmm. it can also be the most. I think intimidating of books to start in because you might hear of a book. Like I really like I've gone on and on about wild from Mm -hmm. Sawyer Bennett's Arizona vengeance series. I've talked about him. I've talked about him. I've talked about him. And you might think, Oh, I I really want to read that. I I really want to read that. But do I have six time for five other books to get to that book six? But here's that rub too, because there are interconnected s- series that are also series of standalones. So they get that yeah. twofold because yeah, and vengeance... not everything is just one thing. We right. a book could be a s- interconnected series that is a big world builder that is a standalone. Mm-hmm. It can be all those things. 
nothing right. is just, just like one the thing. vengeance i came to sawyer late i read book one and i read book two and then we had stuff going on and i had to read like book 10 i read book 10 and i was not lost because I didn't like, you don't need to read the rest of those books to understand the characters and the development and the relationship. Like you can, you can start at book four, you can start at book 11 and still feel like the camaraderie of the team. Like that is where this, the standalone holds up well, because you don't have to start at book one to get a full accomplished, well-written story by so, the end. So by definition, we would classify a series of standalones is each individual book is a standalone story within the main series. It can be connected by setting, a character or two, and it mm -hmm. might lead to a few Easter eggs that will lead you to other stories and glimpses of past stories. So for example, Regs, which is book 11 in the Arizona mm -hmm. Vengeance series, gives you the setup <laughs> for the Pittsburgh Titan series and Baden's book. Mm -hmm. However, we had Easter eggs of Baden's story starting all the way back in Wild, which is book six. Mm -hmm. So you had six, you know, other books leading to Baden or five other books leading to Baden. But you don't have to um, you don't have to read them all no. to get like you could pick Baden up right now and not be lost. Mm -hmm. Well, and Lanny Lynn Vale does that really well in, in most of her like in I think in all of her series where they are they're standalones, like each character, like all of her series are interconnected. Like there's interconnection all over the board, and they go this way and that way and up and down and left and right and like but as a whole, like you can read one book and then skip to book four and then go back to book two and then go to book seven and then go back to book six. Like, but you, you never lose like those nuances of the characters. Like, yes, like the characters that have happened already are together in later books, but, and yes, you might find out like little pieces of like their relationship or like where they're at in the future, but like, you don't have to read their book to understand. Like, her books stand fully on their own. Yeah, they do. I agree completely. Um, okay. So another thing that comes up in discussion are duologies and mm -hmm. trilogies. And yes. what exactly does that mean? Um, mm -hmm. I don't know that in romance, we often use the word duology. I think we tend to say duet. Yes. Um, we do, but the appropriate literary term is duology. <laughs> yes. So now the du duology is a narrative series comprising of two books, meaning it will take two full length novels to tell the whole story. Book one will end in a cliffhanger. Now, every once in a while, you will come across an author or a a duo of authors who write a duet for a family or a story where the stories are completely standalones, but they, they market them as a duet because they fit together. That is not a true duology or duet. That is just the way they title them. It works because that's the way they want them marketed, but a true duology ends in a cliffhanger. And please always tell us 
it is going to end in a cliffy because the worst part of a cliffhanger is when you read the book, not expecting it. And then it is three months later when the new book comes out. <laughs> so one of the, one of the authors that often does trilogies and duologies is, um, Laura Lynn page, mm -hmm. right? Dice. Laura, yes, Laura Lynn page. page. Laura, Laura Lynn. Lynn. Okay. Laura Lynn page is notorious for telling her stories in trilogies and duologies. Mm -hmm. So um, she has the Kincaid series. Um, is that what it's called? It's the Kincaid. No, it's called the. Um, what is all the, the men called together? No, all the men is like a series. Men in charge. Yeah, that's There's a different in series. Um, so she has up. a series of like five friends. But, and each friend gets his own H-E-A, but some are told in trilogy, dirty, some are told... The Dirty Duet. Well, there's Dirty Duet, because then there Which is, is also... Devin, or Donovan. The Dirty Duet is Donovan. But then, but then you have the Dirty Games Duet. Right. The Dirty Wild Duet. So, like, they're the dirty boys, basically. Yeah. So, she and she does also trilogy, because the last one that got his book was done in a trilogy. Mm-hmm. That was Cade. Um, and um, Sylvia Dade did this with her Crossfire... Sylvia Day did this mm -hmm. with her Crossfire series. Um, you Graham know, the most... Claire, that writing duo, they typically do duets, which I was not aware of before I read one of their books. And while it was delightful, I did not know it was happening. We also see, like, the most famous of trilogies that everyone's going to think of is Fifty Shades of Grey. It is told in three books. Mm -hmm. So, um, trends of well, the teens of, you know, from, like, 2012 to 2017, the trend was to write trilogies and duologies. Then, started in 2018, 2019 these series of standalones started to mm -hmm. garner more um, speed in publishing because people were kind of tired of waiting for the next well, book. But then there's also those authors who like jump back and forth. Like, and for those, like the trilogy is a series of three novels that tell a complete story, book one and book two will end on cliffhangers. But then you have those authors who jump back and forth, like Kay Webster, like she writes an exceptional, like standalone story, but she also like when she's writing in the Midnight Dynasty, like those are typically duets or trilogies, like her Cinderella trilogy, which was delightfully dirty and amazing. Like that's three, but like the twin or the triplets, it was just a duet. Duet. I, right. It's yeah, not a just a duet. Just a duet. <laughs> I said that and um, I was second guessing myself. <laughs> no, it's just a duet. So that's, and those can sometimes, Leah does not start them until she's, well, if she's aware of them being trilogies or duologies, she will I not start not them until start they're them. all out. Because um, I, I need that instant gratification of the happily ever after. It doesn't, a cliffhanger does not bother me. I sometimes, you'll often hear me complain a little bit about book two in a trilogy. Sometimes it just feels like page reads. Mm, I it get doesn't a little It doesn't necessarily move a story as forward as much as I want it. But there are like those authors who like book two does not lose momentum and it does yeah. not lose like gumption and is 
just Kay as Webster. good. Kay Webster. <laughs> that was a really good trilogy. It was a really good Which trilogy. I did not know that was a trilogy when I originally read it. And those and were I like six to... months apart. It was Allie Martinez writes amazing trilogies. Well, well, she typically sticks with the duet, but this last one was a trilogy, yeah. and I have not, I have not delved into it because, like, they are, they are girthy trilogy. It's a girthy yeah. trilogy, and I know she's. She's going to break me so hard. She will break you so hard. Um, you will also find that trilogies and duologies tend to be a little angstier, in my opinion, mm -hmm. because we need that push and pull, that back and forth to keep the reader engaged in the story. Yes. Um, okay. So a question that often comes up with series from our listeners is the question of, where do I start for that author? Like, I want to With read that author. That has a huge backlist. Yeah. And it can be intimidating where to pick up mm -hmm. with a new author. Like, I'm, you know, you're just not even sure. So we reached out to the Buzzing About Ramblings community to ask them what authors are on their TBRs, but they are not sure where to start with them. Uh, it can be overwhelming as to where to start with an author who has a large backlist. Some of these were, um, for some of these, we actually reached out to all these authors. Some of them sent us responses, others we didn't. And that's okay because people are busy. Um, and then, so Leah and I will give some suggestions and recs based on our own personal experience in reading some of these mm -hmm. authors and their backlist. Okay, so let's just start with her because... We adore her. We funny. love her. And, um, well, and her and Lisa, they can't, can't agree. They can't. So we're Sawyer Bennett. I reached out. I said, Hey, new to you reader, where would you suggest they start in your backlist to get a feel for the kind of books you're currently writing? Because that's another thing. An author that has a five, a six, 10 year career, like Laurel and page, mm -hmm. Her writing style is going to have evolved. She is going mm -hmm. to be a very different writer from her first book to what the way she is currently writing. Her yeah. circumstances in her life have changed. Maybe she was writing new adult, but now she's gotten older and she is writing more mature characters. So that is something too that can be, I, I personally have issues when an author is like, well, just start with my first book. That's not how you're currently writing. Mm -mm. You do not write the same as you did in 2012. You just don't. Um, so that's what we asked the author. We specifically asked them to give a new to you reader started picking you up right now that will go on and want to continue to read on with your books. Where would you have them start? What gives the best picture as to who you as a writer are? So I asked Sawyer Bennett and we also seed seed her PA, Lisa, because half the time, Sawyer will tell you, as soon as she writes a book, she forgets it. That's She does not remember. Lisa. So she has Lisa. So do you want to read Sawyer's response? Yes. <laughs> Sawyer says, just straight up contemporary romance. I'd probably have them start in On the Rocks, which is her last call series. That crosses over into the Wicked Horse books, which then goes into Jameson Security and then crosses over with the hockey books. Yes. But they all stand on their own. They do. And, but this is what Lisa says. 
Uh, Lisa Sawyer's right hand says she suggests recommending legal affairs to first time readers. Last call would be her next one. She's always considered legal affairs to be a middle of the steamy range, hotter than off or last call, but not as sizzling as either of the wicked horse series. And self selfishly it's her favorite overall series. And she always wants people to love it. But last call definitely has more crossover 10 is Wolf's brother from The Wicked Fall, Nick's Caldwell from Off Limits, and makes an appearance, and we meet Andrea's brother, Kyle Somerville, Wicked Bond, and Finding Kyle. And you meet all of them in the Last Call series. Okay, and so then we we put that out to Jiffy Kate also, and they said, that's so hard. But Jenny they Kate say said, that that's so hard. <laughs> I'm not surprised by that, um, but they say finding focus or blue Bayou probably if you like sports romance stud muffin or the rookie and the rock star, but there's like their series like there's they're interconnected in a sense, aside from the stud muffin because that's smarty pants so that's interconnected in a whole no, but it connects back to blue Bayou. Oh, it does I to New Orleans. They went, they went to New Orleans. I forgot about that. So I will say. I like to call it the machete order. I read Jiffy you Kate. You macheted. You macheted the fuck out of that. I did. I read Jiffy Kate completely chaotically out of order. I read Come Again, which is book two in the Blue Bayou New Orleans uh, French, the Porter, French series. Porter series. I read that first. And then, and then you read Eye Candy, which I is candy, the which third is... book in the Fighting for Love series, which. Right. You can just start there because that jam scene, we are still talking about it. Yeah. And it's been over a year. And then I went back and I read Neutral Grounds and then I read B Blue Bayou, like completely like roll a dice and tell me what book number to read kind of feel to it. So, but, but that is, that is a testament to a good standalone though, because you could bounce and weave and bob and be all well, over the place. And they're. Their baseball series, their New Orleans baseball series starts with the rookie and the rock star, but mm -hmm. I actually read the rookie and the assistant first. The ace and the assistant. The ace and the assistant. <laughs> there you because go. It you didn't was, realize it was book two. <laughs> I didn't realize it was book two. Goodness. Because I'm always smart. So um we Molly asked Molly McAdams. McAdams. She was a drunk book club author a year ago. And she has a lot of series, mm -hmm. a lot, and a lot of different variety. And she would definitely start with her Brood series. It's completed and her most recent completed series. Mm -hmm. And it is good. And it is an interconnected standalone series because I read book one, skipped book two, read book three, and book four. So, or no, I read okay. book one and book two, skipped book three, skipped and then book read, three. read book four. So, um, Absolutely. They, you know, Brood is a great place to start. You will get a real sense as to who she is as an author with the book. Uh, well, with the Brood series, I think the first book is called The Fix. fix. The Fix. Fix. Yeah. Or maybe just Fix. I don't know. I don't remember. Does it have the? I don't know. Okay. So then we asked Karen Elliott and she said she start with a standalone, the playbook, or even stay with me. It's part of a two book series, but can easily be read as a standalone. She writes mostly series, but the butterfly effect can be read as a standalone and her website lists all of her books and states, states which books are standalone novels, but stay away from the Cowboys and Ann 
angels because they are not standalone novels. No, they would be an overarching storyline series. They are not interconnected. They are and it's Kelly Elliott. Why do we have Karen Elliott written down? I don't know. Kelly, okay. Kelly Elliott. Kelly, Kelly Elliott. Cause I read that and like, I was like, who is that? And then I thought maybe I just didn't realize. Okay. Wait, Karen Elliott was a nun that I had in, high, in, in uh, middle school. Okay. Wow. We know where your thought process was, but Whoa. so Kelly Elliott, K-E-L-L-Y Elliott. Sorry. 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 It's okay. It's a name. Nobody's surprised. Nobody is surprised. I'm, okay. I'm just happy I caught that. Um, another author that came up recently was Karina Hale. Mm-hmm. Hallie. I'm not sure how to pronounce her last name. Hale. Um, if people are intimidated by her backlist, she would suggest a standalone. She has many, many standalones in all genres of romance. So it would really depend on what kind of romance they are looking for. Sports romance and Sports Romance and Age Gap, The Forbidden Man, uh, Best Friend to Lovers, The Pact or Bad at Love, Age Gap and for- Forbidden, she would do Love in English or Before I Ever Met You, which I read Before I Ever Met You. It's excellent and it stands completely on its own. Um, fake Dating, Marriage of Convenience, After All or The Wild. Air. Air. I was like trying not to say hair, but saying hair. Um, <laughs> it's Turks and queso, uh, Royal is. romance, uh, the Swedish prince or a Nordic King. And I read a Nordic King without reading Swedish prince first and it worked. And I've read both of them and they're, they're well done standalones, but like yeah. you get little bits of like the Royals in all of the books, but yeah. they are very, very well done standalones. Okay. Then Carrie Ann Ryan, she said, I would say three places forever. Only once is a shorter series. All the tropes, big families and bearded men. She loves tattered loyalties for those who write, who love PNR because Carrie Ann Ryan has an excellent paranormal does. <laughs> series. Does. And inked persuasion, if you want those family-driven, heart-pounding Montgomery romances. And she does her best to make sure you can legit, and this is a quote, you can legit pick up any contemporary LOL and dive in and work your way around. Um, she said the PNR is usually a bit harder since it's all about the HEA per book, but there's still a big bad hanging out and tying the books together. So her PNRs have that overarching storyline, but her contemporary romances are a series of standalones. Which you just read your first Carrie and Ryan this last I did, week. It was delightful. And I had not read her before, but I did not need to like, there's a Montgomery that pops in, but it was a moot point. Yeah. And I have, again, macheted her Montgomery series. I have read it out of order and all over the place. The machete tactic stresses me out. It's really beautiful for me. I know it it stresses you out. (laughs) I know. That's why you like to do it. Um, Rather, that's why you like to talk about it. So then we reached out to Brittany Sahin. Uh, Mm -hmm. She writes romantic suspense. Yes. Um, many of her readers tell others to start with her first book ever written. And for me, I'm like, uh, but I have grown so much, uh, that perhaps a new reader would prefer my later works where I have developed my craft over the years, if that makes sense. And it does because we read her first book Mm -hmm. and we were kind of like, we, we did not love it. 
We did not hate it, but we did not love it. No. But you can definitely, but then we, I read one of her later books and you can definitely tell like she has had a lot of growth as an author. And Nikki says the early series is nothing compared to the current series. Like mm-hmm. start in Ireland because that's yeah. apparently where it gets good. Um, and Brittany is very honest. She says she knows many authors feel this way also. So mm-hmm. um, she usually tells reader, I write each book as a standalone with the hopes that they can choose any storyline that piques their attention the most. I'm a mood reader, so I often read out of series order um, for other authors if they're standalone. Most of my books are third person point of view, romantic suspense, military emphasis. So if that is their preference, I would wreck as a start one of my most popular books, Finding Her Chance, or one of my newer books, The Haunted One. Hunted. Hunted. Sorry. I had a glare. Shut up. I had a glare. Um, just... If they prefer more of a contemporary style and first person point of view on the edge or jump to one of my faves, The Real Deal. And I actually downloaded the real deal because she's well loved. And I want, I want to see what all the hubbub is. And we just kind of, I think started in the wrong place. I think we might have too. Okay. And then Kim Lorraine, who is one of my favorite authors said, she suggests starting with big tech energy or the baby proposition, because they both give a really great look at her writing style. And those are her two newest books and the interconnected world of her contemporary romances. She is another one where all of her series have all like characters that pop up but you don't have to read like each series to understand who anybody is and for paranormal she'd recommend starting with her new upcoming reverse harem obsession as it's interconnected but only loosely it's interconnected how is it interconnected <gasps> but only loosely that she co-wrote with meg ann and i have a copy of this you do. And I think once I'm done reading with it, I might have to pass it on to a certain co-player. I think you might because I'm intrigued. How does it interconnect? Yeah, I won't catch the interconnection because I've not. Kim Lorraine is a uh, new to me author that has this amazingly huge backlist. And I have collected books of hers that have been free or 99 cents. And I'm and just not sure where to yet. start. I haven't. Mm-hmm. Uh, because her backlist is intimidating (laughs) it is i will say though her books are not like super girthy and so like you can get through them like she like is that standard like 250 yeah okay so lauren rowe who is an author that i love and i recommend her books to you guys all the time all the time um but she has quite a big backlist and her books are she world builds and they're all interconnected. Everybody trickles in and out of her books. But, and I have not read hers in order. I have macheted the heck out of them. Oh my God, why? Why? <laughs> well, okay, so like, I picked her up first with the Reed Rivers series. It's a trilogy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I'm pretty sure I have read the, this author before. And then I went and I read Hero. And I loved Hero. And then I went and I was like, okay. So then I read Smitten and Swoon. And um, there's a duet that's another rock star that I read from her. And then just recently, I picked up the book Rockstar from her. And I was fairly, fairly certain that I had already read this book once. That I, this Mm -hmm. is a book I've read. I don't think I read that book. (laughs) 
but it's Reed River's sister. And it's the guy that's the lead singer of 22 Goats, which is who the books Smitten and Swoon are his bandmates. And I was oh, like, I know Dax's really story. I know Dax's story, but I didn't. Um, okay, so I asked Lauren. Now. I, yeah. So I asked Lauren this, and I actually asked in her Facebook group. And boy, were the answers like very one way. <laughs> but oh, really? nope. But nobody had the same answer, but it was like everybody had conviction for their answer. Like, well, that's all I like to see that though, because they have like, they have like faith in like their direction and their thought process. Yeah. So, Lauren, this is a direct uh, copy from Lauren's email to me. I predict if you ask 10 of my readers, you'll get about five different answers on this. No, no, no. You get 10 different answers. Uh, This is because there is a trilogy of mine called the Club Trilogy that quote unquote started it all. But also along the way in my interconnected universe, and she refers to her world as a universe. As she should. I've purposely created many, many interest points for new readers so that people can jump in and start in one place. And then that they like my writing, go ahead or go back or go to the side, etc., to meet secondary characters they've met in a book. The club trilogy can be daunting to new readers because it is a trilogy and not everyone wants to start a series without first knowing if they like the author's writing. So in that series, I tell them to try Hero or Captain, since they're standalone books of a series of interconnected books. Each book focuses on one brother in the Morgan family, so that you meet the family, but the main characters get their one book with an HEA. And then if you like it, you can go read about the other brothers you've met. The Morgans are published all around the world in many languages, and some have have Hero number numbered first while other countries will number captain first lots of readers start with rockstar that's number five and after that one they go back to hero or captain or maybe even spring ahead to another trilogy of mine the reed rivers trilogy where a ton of readers first discovered me that would be me um so you see i actually find this a very tough question to answer however there is never anything wrong with starting with the first book i've published the club obsession or If trilogies are too daunting, then one of the Morgan books or perhaps one of my misadventures where one are shorter and unrelated to my big universe of interconnected characters. So she writes, Waterhouse Press has a series of books called Misadventures. And there are tons of authors that wrote in Misadventures. Kennedy Ryan, Lauren Rowe, um, Meredith Wilde. Shayla Black. Tony Leo, lots mm-hmm. of people wrote in these misadventure books. And they're a nice, perfect sampling of trying a new author. Angel Payne, I think, has written in them a little bit. There's been um, a lot, but it's like this perfect novella. Like some of them are a little bit longer. Not all of them are novellas, but like you get that taste of the author's writing style and their development of character. And so like I love finding a new author when they're writing in like a new world or something like that. Yeah. Because so like, misadventures because it's on its own and it does its own thing. Um, I prefer misadventures to the 101 dark nights mm-hmm. because 101 dark nights while they're novella are a thousand and one, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> those tend to be like a novella within an already established series. Mm-hmm. For example, yeah, Kennedy like Sawyer has one. Kennedy Ryan has one. Sky Warren has some. Mm -hmm. And 
if you like Lexi writes, Lexi Blake writes Masters and Mercenaries ones. Right. Versus Misadventures are 150,000% completely standalone. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I found Lauren through Reed Rivers, and I'm telling you guys, her books are so good. They are steamy and sexy. They all pop, mostly early pops. <laughs> and she doesn't mind a hero with some hardware. Oh, I mean, there's a sprinkling challenge right there. Well, and honestly, so like I started with Reed Rivers Trilogy. I then went and read uh, Hero, which is emotional, like, oh, second chance, really great book. And then I ended up with Smitten, which is kind of book two from the Reed Rivers trilogy. And then I read Swoon. And then I read this duet that she has, I Love to Hate and I Hate to Love You, I think is the duet. And then... um, then I went back and read Rockstar, and then I've read Ball Peen Hammer, who is a YouTube streamer porn star. It is so <laughs> is funny. that even good? Is oh, it? so good. It is so good. The Morgan, so the Morgan family is the centered family in these books. The okay. more because so the club series is the sisters book. It's a trilogy. It's the sister's book. And the Morgan family kind of goes down the line. And the mom and the dad make appearances. They have a solid marriage. Anyway, I could go on and on about Lauren Rowe. You guys just read the books. Okay. okay. So then we uh, put this question out to Melanie Harlow. And she said she feels you can start anywhere with her books. But she suggests starting with Ignite to get a feel for her and how she's writing now. It also stands on its own, but make, might make you curious to go back and check out other books because Ignite is actually a second gen book. Um, so you will get like pieces of characters from some of her other books, but from what I understand from everyone, I haven't read that one yet because, because I other have, books. I have, but I haven't read the series that it is the second gen of. Mm. And so, and actually I read her Bellamy Creek series again, out of order. I macheted it. Um, I started with book two, three, and four, and then I went back and read book one. Again, stand completely on Mm -hmm. their own. Highly recommend. Melanie Harlow is a great place and Ignite is a good place to start. I would agree Mm -hmm. with that. Um, So a couple other authors that came up in conversation, Layla Hagen, um, she didn't get back to me, but I think she stands alone really well, but honestly, currently she's writing the Maxwell brothers. It's in Kindle unlimited book one through three are currently out. It's a great place to feel like how she writes and she writes family series that are standalone. Okay. So Melissa Foster has a huge backlist. So it is very daunting. Now for me, I discovered Melissa Foster with I think that if you read her Sugar Lake series, it's a three book series where it's interconnected, but there is not a ton of crossover in this series. Um, That's, I really enjoy that series. And then it, it spins off into another series. (laughs) Or if you wanted to start with her whiskeys, Dark Nights at Peaceful Harbor with True Blue, that I 
like that series is separate from the Sugar Lake series. And I, when I went into that series, I wasn't confused, but she has a huge character background, a huge backlist. But like I said, the Sugar Lake series is a three book series. Um, it's a family, um, but that's where I started with her. I started on Silver Island, the steals at Silver Island, and then just the three Silver Island books that she did with Montlake. Mm -hmm. um, she likes to drop characters in from her other series, and it is difficult. Re relationships build from one book to the next. Mm -hmm. And she doesn't just write one series flat out straight. She jumps from one series to another series and comes back to a series. Mm -hmm. And I think that she is definitely one you need to read them in which the order they were published in mm -hmm. to get to really follow along. Yeah, there's, and, there's a lot of character crossover in her books. And a lot of character building. Like you get backstories that if you haven't read, like I've not read the Whiskeys or the Wicked's. And mm -hmm. so when they drop into Silver Island, I'm a little confused. I don't know their backstory. I don't know who they are as characters. It's implied, but it's not always clear and mm -hmm. can make sometimes make reading a little bit more of a challenge. So I think she is definitely one. Start at Sugar Lake and read in publishing order. And she also mm -hmm. has uh, family trees and reading orders on her website. To yeah, help she out. does. Um, Riley Edwards was something that was asked. OK, so for Riley's books, um, she you can start, I, I discovered her from reading Night Stalker, which actually was her very first book published. She is one of those authors who first book, like out of the gate was very well done. Like it, it's not always the case, but she, her writing style hasn't really changed. Like, she, like she's had books that are better than others, but like overall, like you can start at Night Stalker. It's book one in the Red Team series, or if you want to get a different idea and a different writing style that she is. You could start with um, Nixon's Promise. It's a perma-free typically. Um, and it is book one of her Gemini series. That book, it might be a little daunting for people because she does flip between first person point of view and the heroine to third person point of view when it is the hero's perspective. So people like don't always love that, but it works really well in this series and the way she does it. Um, so another one that came up is Penny Reed. I personally mm -hmm. actually started with the Winston brothers and then went back and read Knitting in the City, but this was a while ago, um, which I just loved Knitting in the City. I think it's a better series, but that's me. Um, but she does have a new standalone that is a good place to start. I think her current mm -hmm. writing style is very much showcased well in the um, 10 trends to seduce your best friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she, but she is one of those authors where she, she writes a a long descriptive book. Like it's typically a slower burn. She puts a lot of herself into these books and like, you can really feel, feel that come off the page. Like she is a, a, a wonderful writer and I love her stories. And honestly, like if you want just the Penny Reed universe, you can start in any of the smarty pants. Yeah. Like offshoots um and that's something too like there are some store like some smarty pants like offshoots that are one author like carla Sorensen has a batter 
like a baking series in the Smarty Pants universe and only Carla has written in that in that storyline. Or if you're in the library, the Green Valley Library, there are multiple authors, but that is a series of standalones and like but all of Smarty Pants, like you get you get Smarty Pants characters popping in and out, but they are all the same across the board because yeah. they have a huge set up for that they do um okay so i do want to share with the listener that one of the things we're starting to do when we have our author interviews um we are going to ask authors this question so going forward in all of our interviews we are going to ask authors if someone's new to you where would you suggest that they start reading to get a sense as to what you're writing right now we recently Mm -hmm. asked carla sort or carla Sorensen. Catherine Cowles this question and we recently asked mm-hmm. uh Max Monroe this question and like Molly McLean just start with we're made of moments because it's the best mm-hmm. and book two is coming out soon and book two is coming out soon um so that is something you can expect from us here at the podcast is going forward we will be asking authors um well and it's one of those things where you and I have never really thought about it because a big bath list isn't super daunting for us like it's just a matter of having the time to dive into it like Catherine Cowles is one of those authors that I've been putting off because she has she doesn't have a huge backlist but it is big enough that like I need a good like three or four days to to read them all and we also have been reading for a long time we are not new to romance it's we've Mm -hmm. got 20 or 30 years in the genre as of now so someone will say oh that author has a really big backlist they've been publishing since 95 okay well i've been i've been reading i've been reading them since 95 so it's not as daunting you know when i found sawyer bennett cold fury was already out I, Mm -hmm. you know, was getting the Arizona Vengeance was starting to publish. Same with Kelly Jamison. Chicago Aces was already out. I was able to listen to them. I think I had to order the last book in the Chicago Aces, you know, because it was going to be too long of a wait at my library. Um, How how dare they? Right? Why are they taking so long? But that was five years ago. So Mm -hmm. I've had all our six six years ago, I guess I've had all this time to read all these books, but these are authors that are continually putting books out too. like Rainy Lynn Vale has a huge backlist. And granted, I went down a deep, deep rabbit hole for her last year. And so like, I covered a lot of bases, but like somebody who is coming into one of her books, she has like 150 books or something like that in her backlist. So it's like, that is a very daunting task. Cause and if you enjoy those books, like you want to devour them all, like Susan Stoker, she has, she just published book 85. Yeah. So, but yeah, this is something we're going to start asking to make sure that you as the listener know where to go and what to do. Well, and also too, like, so the author, like sometimes the authors like have a a big opinion about where we should start. Well, yeah, sometimes we don't really care. No, we do care. We do care. I don't mean that. Okay. Um, You kind of mean that. (laughs) Last weekend, we celebrated World Book Day. We hosted our very first read-in, which was 24 hours of reading in 48 hours. And it It was was such a success. (laughs) It was a success. We had people who planned out snacks and books and reading. There were some people that planned out snacks and books and reading and their TBR for the weekend blew up because like Becky, she went into an, a book hangover and she'll tell you about that yeah. in a minute. But where you have people like me who had 
a zillion family responsibilities and I couldn't read as much as I wanted to. I mean, granted, I still got five books in, but we did have 23 participants pledge pages Mm -hmm. and minutes. Um, and it was such a fun event. I'm not sure how close we are to our goal. Um, but we will be doing it again next year. We will be. And it was such a fun thing for people to do. And it mixed it up a little bit too. It wasn't like that daunting, like I, it wasn't daunting for anybody. It was exciting and we made it fun. And like we did check-ins and like all that stuff. So get a stretch, have a drink, charge your Kindle. Mm -hmm. That's the worst. It was the worst. Okay. Okay. So our hosting blog bookcase and coffee is opening up our schedule to reviews. (coughs) Excuse me. If you are an author looking to have your book reviewed by the bookcase and coffee blog, or curious on how we pick books to feature please check out our booking policy and review request on our website, um, bookcaseandcoffee.com backslash review of quests backslash, and I cannot talk for the life of me right now, or bookcaseandcoffee.com backslash booking. Yes. Okay. So it's that time, Leah, for our- This time for the book. Book of, of the week. Of the and we've been week. talking so long, like I can't even talk anymore. You can't okay, even talk. So- what was your book of the week? So it gave me, well, I read Juniper Hill by Devney Perry. It is book two in the Eden series. And there is no romantic suspense element to this book. There isn't an overarching theme like in her uh, Forge. Forge. Yeah. Clifton Forge. Clifton Forge series. These books are a family in small town Montana, and they absolutely stand individually on themselves. Book one was romantic suspense, and that's Indigo Ridge. And you can find a quick shot that Rachel and I did of that back in uh, January. Book two is called Juniper Hill. And this is a single mom, co-worker, close proximity romance and book hangover. It was beautiful. I loved it. I need the next book in the series, which is called Garnet's Flats, and it does not come out till June. Cause yeah, that, that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Leah, what was your book of the week? Um, I actually have two, um, because my readathon sent me down. Okay. So first off I went back into the Catherine Cowles rabbit hole with beautifully broken pieces. And let me tell you these two characters, like I just wanted to like hug Taylor and like hold her close. And she was just like, and like Walker's short stack nickname for her, which is so adorable, but I just wanted to give her such a big hug because she is, she is broken in so many ways. And I just, oh man, I just, I just loved her and felt so bad for like the way things played out, but it is such a good book and it, oh my gosh. Okay. And then my second one was J.E. Parker's Falling for the Enemy. It's mafia. So the hero is the head of the, a Colombian cartel and the heroine is in charge of the bravada, the Russian bravada in North Carolina. And they like meet and he is uber possessive. And he's like, she is mine. Like nobody else can touch her. Like he, he literally stabbed somebody in the hand because he had the audacity to touch her shoulder. I mean, I do like, I love you so much that I will stab anyone that touch you kind of vibe. Like the guy was told not to touch her and he touched her. Touched her. Yeah, he deserved it. And he got die. stabbed in the hand. Yeah. He That's did not sexy. touch her again. I bet he didn't. 
it was it was very good it this is a spinoff from her um her last series her redeeming love series but you don't have to read that series to understand this one like like it's very good very well done it's delightfully dirty and there's a lot of violence like like it opens and like the heroine is like carving a guy up because he deserves it don't mind some violence um okay patreon update we appreciate our Patreon supporters and would not be able to bring you the podcast without them. Uh, we currently have four open tiers on Patreon. Those start at $5 a month and include membership to Drunk Book Club and other exclusive content. Our first goal is to reach 40 Patreon members. We are five away from reaching that. Once we reach that, we will host another epic giveaway. We are working with one of our favorite authors who might have been mentioned more than once in this uh, <laughs> episode <laughs> um, for the big epic giveaway. Um, but our big goal is to reach 500 Patreon members uh, so that um, I can hire Leah on full time to do just podcast stuff. And then we'd be able to bring you more content mm-hmm. and everything. So. Okay. So. Up next, or no, coming up, we have Drunk Book Club. The next Drunk Book Club is May 21st, and we will be host, we will be joined by author duo Max Monroe. And we are going to be reading my brother's billionaire best friend. And they will be joining us for the evening. The book club is an exclusive event for Patreon. You can find details at bookcaseandcoffee.com. But if you would like to test us out for the month and see if we are your cup of tea, because we like to say it, but we are a lot and we are not like, not everybody can handle us. So if it is something that you, you love Max Monroe and you would love to talk to them about their book, just send us an email at the bees at bookcaseandcoffee.com and you can try us out for the month. Yep. So currently we are hosting spring fling bingo challenge. Uh, it's going on right now for the month of April and May. So any book that you've read in April and any book you will read this month of May will count. Um, we give you very specific prompts for the bingo. Uh, when we think when we think spring, we think mud and dirt, new life and growth. We think of all the new plans and hopes that come with the start of spring. We're providing you with a guide to get rid of all the gray skies and stuffiness of winter and embrace the warmer days and help you find the spicier books. Mm-hmm. You can find details on our website or go to bookcaseandcoffee.com slash events. Okay. So the next group read is going to be May 11th and Jenny and Lindsay are going to be hosting it in our hosting the discussion in our discord server. And they are going to be talking about 10 trends to seduce your best friend by Penny Reed. And you can find details on our website at bookcaseandcoffee.com slash events. Our Discord server is open to anyone. So if that is something you would want to get in on, you are more than welcome to join. Yep. Okay, so next up, we are going to start a series once a month, once every six weeks, as we have space, but a little more often than just once in a while. Um, Mm -hmm. We are going to start doing what we are calling trope talks and this yes. came out of the romance rumble in the romance rumble we covered what we our patreon community voted on for the top eight tropes that they love um but there are i think at last count like over 190 tropes 
It's a lot. But some tropes actually fit under some pretty big head categories. Mm-hmm. So, well, it's like there's tropes and then subtropes and then subtropes and like there's some yeah. tropes that are like just really specific tropes. So, like it it gets into like the details, but we're going to talk all about them. So, on the next episode of Buzzing About Romance, we are hosting our first ever trope talk episode. We'll be mm-hmm. joined by some of our podcast contributors and we're going to break down the concept of close and forced proximity. We're going to let you know the they difference. They are different. They are very different. And we're going to let you know the difference and some of the subtropes of these. Like you might not realize that neighbors is a subtrope of close proximity. Mm-hmm. And being snowed in is a subtrope trope of, of forced, forced proximity. proximity. Or kidnapping is a subtrope of forced proximity because it is. kidnapping is a love language. And we are going to give you book recs from all of us that mm-hmm. uh, will fit into those subtropes. So yes. um, you can look forward to hanging out with us next Sunday as we start and, Trope Talks. And having your TBR blown up because that is what we're here for. I heard I also have a gift for blowing up people's grocery lists. Oh, yeah. I heard Because that I recommended too. the Java chip Oreo cookies. Is it sad that I'm only like, I only like a regular Oreo? No, you like coffee? Do you like a mudslide? Or like a chocolate mocha ice cream? I like coffee ice cream. Try the Java chip Oreo cookies. Okay, but we're not eating sugar right now. Okay, well, that's dumb. (laughs) I'm just going to go buy you a package and I'm not eating a lot of sugar. I'll eat a little bit. So go buy a package for you, keep it in the car. I'll put it in my desk drawer. Nobody's allowed there in my you go. desk. Nobody's in your desk. I mean, They're you might get mice, but. Bad things could be found in there. Well, we all know what I keep on my desk. Anyway. It's true. Everyone, thank you for joining us for this episode of Buzzing About Romance. Until next time. Happy reading, everybody. Find us on Instagram at Buzzing About Romance or on Twitter at Buzzing Romance. If you like the podcast, please leave a review. If you'd like to support us directly, join the Bookcase and Coffee Patreon and receive exclusive content only available to Patreon members. Check out bookcaseandcoffee.com for our on-the-shelf show notes.